Vigorous Steve here with part 5 of the Optimized Endurance Deep Dive video series. In part 1 and 2 we discuss over-the-counter supplements to improve your endurance. Those are all WADA approved, not on the prohibited list. Sir, in the green if you only stick to those over-the-counter supplements. But from part 3 onwards, we started discussing the performance enhancing drugs. Part 3 I went over cookie cutter hormone replacement therapy and how to optimize or modulate your mitochondrial functioning. In part 4, the previous part, I discussed erythropoietic compounds in order to optimize the oxygen carrying capacity of your blood. And in this part, we're going to discuss how to optimize cardiac function, again, using performance enhancing drugs that are all prohibited. Now, this video might not be as complete as you like because we're going to skip over the stimulants. I asked you guys in the previous video about EPO, what was your favorite stimulant? I got no reply. So we're going to skip over those and maybe save those for a video about how to optimize the central nervous system, which will have some overlap into cardiac functioning. But this video, I only want to focus on the beta blockers, the beta-2 adrenergic receptors, and the anti-eczemic or anti-anginal metabolic modulators. Before we do, please like the video, leave a comment for the algorithm, and consider subscribing if you haven't already. If you want to support the channel, you can do so by either joining the YouTube or Patreon memberships where you can vote for upcoming deep dives or join the weekly Vigorous Q&A, which is always on Saturday. Keep in mind, if you start messing with your cardiac function, you owe it to yourself to do some imaging, whether that's an electrocardiogram or an echo or an ultrasound or an MRI or CT angiogram, right? Do some imaging, please. Please, guys, for the sake of your own heart, if you start messing with it, either by a beta-2 blockade or beta-2 activation, you might be altering your heart rate and your blood pressure downstream. So do your due diligence and get diagnosed. If there's something underlying, you're probably going to make it worse by taking any of these medications. So let's get started with the Bivolol, which is prohibited at all times. It's classified under the P1 beta blockers of the WADA prohibited list of 2023. The is there, Propranolol is there, and there's a ton of other beta blockers that you could potentially choose from, even though they're all prohibited, obviously. So we're only going to go for Nabivalol and Propanol. Those are the ones that I have personal experience with and guided people throughout their use of these beta blockers. Keep in mind that Nabivalol technically is a selective beta receptor modulator, similar to SARMs or SERMs. Nabivalol uniquely blocks the beta-1 receptors, which are predominantly found on cardiac muscle, while simultaneously activating the beta-3 receptors, which are found in the vascular system, and thus increase overall nitric oxides, content of the bloodstream and helps to modulate blood pressure to a great extent. At the same time, blocking the beta-1 receptors, reducing the heart rate, also improving blood pressure management. So it's a dual action medication in this sense. Nabivalol has a half-life of 12 to 19 hours. So once per day administrations is more than sufficient because there's some overlap until the next day. The effective dose can range anywhere between 2.5 to 10 milligrams upon waking every single day. Beyond 10 milligrams in the bivalol, the beta-1 receptor sensitivity is lost and it starts overlapping into the beta-2 receptors. So you have blockade of the beta-1 and beta-2. So don't combine the bivalol with clenbuterol or salbutamol if you're going over a 10 milligram administration. But I found that most athletes, which have a increased heart rate for longer periods of time during endurance work and uh, requiring a lot of stamina boost, that less is more. Once you start using more than 2.5 milligrams, 5 milligrams might still be okay, again, depending on the sports that you're currently following and performing. Anything over 5 milligrams will reduce your heart rate to the point it starts hindering 
your endurance and stamina. You'll still need an adequate and optimal amount of oxygen delivery and nutrient delivery and excretion or removal of metabolic waste products. So don't suppress your heart rate too low with something like nabivalol or propanolol, even though the heart rate reduction might yield a net performance boost if you're also increasing your oxygen carrying capacity and maybe modulate your mitochondrial function with some of the other compounds which we discussed previously. Although, keep in mind that something like mildronate, hypoxin, and amoxapine, or even bimetil, have some vasodilating effects. And also, nabivalol has some vasodilating effects. So there's some overlap here. I've used them both in combination, but that was purely to improve my overall strength for the ultimate hypertrophy signal for bodybuilding purposes. Nabivalol, the biological effects and functions if used under medical conditions, medical settings, is heart rate reduction and blood pressure regulation, but it can also be used to reduce anxiety or reduce performance anxiety because nabivalol works by blocking the effects of adrenaline on the heart. And then anything related to anxiety, whether those are tremors or increased heart rates or nervousness, that all comes down. And that's why nabivalol or other beta blockers are so popular with sports revolving around hand-eye coordination, like archery, for example, or darts. And even though some of the ball sports require a good amount of hand-eye coordination, like basketball, soccer, American football, the use of beta blockers there is generally not recommended because you need a lot of sprints and a lot of running around the field. And in this case, even a low dose of 2.5 milligrams nabivalol or another beta blocker might lower your overall performance and explosive power. Even though the reduction of sympathetic drive post-workouts is so stellar with nabivalol or other beta blockers. And this effect can tremendously shorten the amount of time that you need to transition from your sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight state, into your parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest state. So you can immediately start recovering post-workout. Keep in mind that propranolol is probably better for this purpose compared to nabivalol because propranolol has a much shorter half-life. We'll discuss that a little bit later. And nabivalol with single administrations in the morning, albeit that you can take it post-workout because it has such a long-lasting effect. Nabivalol, if you take it upon waking, it will already reduce the effects of an elevated heart rate and perhaps the explosive power that you need for particular sports during the workout. So it's working intra-workouts. But as soon as you stop the workout by blocking the effects of adrenaline, you start recovering. You get into the parasympathetic nervous system. Highly beneficial. I found that nabivalol, again, for explosive power required for bodybuilding purposes, it's highly beneficial. It kept my heart rate in check during those heavy and strenuous leg days, allowing me to shorten the rest time in between sets. And thus, I could train at a much higher capacity and much less time in the gym because otherwise my workouts would last about two hours, two and a half hours. And everything over one and a half hours and 90 minutes would slowly but steadily increase my cortisol level. So due to the use of nabivalol, I could keep my leg days under one and a half hours and not get into this supposedly catabolic state of elevated cortisol levels. So there is some overlap with sports that require explosive power, bodybuilding, strongman, strength sports, MMA, or other fighting sports, right? You might not get the most amount of bang for your buck by uh, blocking the beta-1 receptors with nabivalol, whether that's a low dose or the uh, medical dose of up to 40 milligrams. But with endurance sports, where you don't have so much instances of requiring explosive power, besides maybe at the start of the race and at the end of the race, when you want to overtake your competitors, besides those two instances with a couple in between, 
you probably don't have so many instances of explosive power requirements. And thus, nabivalol can keep your heart rate down, but still have a favorable effect on oxygen delivery, nutrient delivery, and the removal of metabolic waste products. Moving over to propanolol, which is also prohibited, also included in the World Anti-Doping Agency prohibited list of 2023 under P1 beta blockers. Duh, it's a beta blocker after all. But the difference between nabivalol is that propranolol is a non-selective beta blocker. It will both block the beta-1 and the beta-2 receptors on cardiac muscle, but it will not activate the beta-3 receptors found in the vascular system. So you'll have less of blood pressure management compared to nabivalol, right? So you have to select what you want because propranolol has two iterations. It has an um, immediate conventional release and an extended release. The immediate release has a half-life of four to five hours. So you can take this post-workout for the benefits regarding your central nervous system and bring you into the parasympathetic nervous system faster, allowing increased recovery. And you have extended release, which has a half-life between 10 to 20 hours, which is actually longer than nabivalol. But because it's a non-selective beta blockers, I would prefer people to use nabivalol over extended release propanolol. So keep that in mind. The conventional dose is anywhere between 10 to 160 milligrams. I would lean more towards lower end dosages. Again, you have to think about your performance and endurance in the long run. Even with a four to five hour half-life, a little bit might still be active the next day for consecutive workouts. And if you take the extended release, the dosages are between 40 milligrams to 160 milligrams before bed. Again, I would rather look into an abivalol upon waking. Still, the effects of immediate release propanol are stellar when it comes to explosive power during particular sports, as long as you take it post-workout. Again, you're purely using it to reduce your heart rate, to block the effects of adrenaline, and get into your wrist in that yes state so you can start recovering. But if you take it pre-workout, whether that's for endurance or for sports that require you to have explosive power, then it will probably hinder your endurance and hinder your workout. So since it's such a potent compound that doesn't have a long active life, it has a rather short active life, I would limit it to post-workout or four to five hours or maybe 10 hours before your workout if you take it in the morning and you work out at night. Now, the effects of propanolol and nabivalol are pretty similar. Uh, the heart rate reduction and blood pressure management are pronounced with propanolol depending on when you take it and when you need blood pressure management. Again, also an overlap into anti-anxiety and anti-tremor effects by, um, you know, blocking the effects of adrenaline and reducing sympathetic drive. I would choose either or, experiment with it for, let's say, a month in duration, whether that's 2.5 milligrams nabivalol upon waking for two weeks and then 2.5 milligrams post-workout to see how much of an overlap and beneficial effect you have regarding your endurance stamina or perhaps a reduction or improvement of explosive power. And then you try the same thing with propanolol, two weeks in the morning, then two weeks post-workout, see which of these protocols, which of these beta blockers are beneficial for your endurance, stamina, explosive power, and overall recovery. Unfortunately, there's no one way, no cookie-cutter protocol for beta blockers like nabivalol or propanolol. You'll have to experiment a little bit for yourself because some people respond very well to beta blockers, like I do, and other people <laughs> don't respond well to it at all. And when you start looking into drug overlap, and drug interactions, then nabivalol or propanol might be a good idea or not be a good idea, depending on what other compounds you're taking currently. Moving over to trimetazidine, 
also prohibited at all times included in the WADA prohibited list of 2023 under 4.4 metabolic modulators, trimetacidine is an angina pectoris medication. So if you have chest pain associated with blood flow restriction to the heart, the trimetazidine can actually improve blood flow to the heart because it's an anti-eczemic, anti-angina medication. It's a very potent vasodilator and it works by inhibiting the long-chain 3-keta-acyl coenzyme A theolase enzymes, which is involved in the beta-oxidation of fatty acids. So similar to muldronate, <laughs> please, please don't start combining trimetazidine with muldronate. I've never talked to anybody who's done that, but I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there stupid enough thinking that they know what they're doing. Both trimetacidine and muldronate, very potent vasodilators. And if you want to shift to exclusively use carbohydrates, glucose for energy metabolism, just remove all of the fat from your diet, please. Right? I've never talked to anybody who combined these medications. Caution is advised. Again, it's a very potent vasodilator. Don't be stupid. So by blocking this enzyme, the 3-ketoacyl coenzyme A theolase enzymes, trimetazine reduces the oxidation of fatty acids and promotes the oxidation of glucose instead. And thus, your oxygen requirement goes down because glucose oxidation requires less oxygen compared to better oxidation of fatty acids. So this way, you can improve your stamina and improve blood flow to the heart through use of this trimetazidine medication. Again, keep in mind that it's a very potent vasodilator, so you shouldn't combine it with something like oral or injectable adenosine triphosphate or injectable adenosine monophosphate or ICAR for that matter, also a very potent vasodilator. And caution is advised when you start combining that with meldronate, bemetyl, hypoxin, and amoxipine, or even nabivlol, which again also has vasodilating effects. And just like propanol, there's two versions of trimetazidine available. There's immediate release and modified release. The half-life of the immediate release version is between five to six hours. And with modified release, it's between seven to 12 hours. So it's actually quite similar. I would lean more towards the immediate release so you have a shorter window that it's active. You can actually time this around the workout. Personally, I haven't used trimetacidine. I haven't really talked to people that use it frequently, albeit that I had some consultations with guys with endurance sports that used it here or there. They had a good response, but they prefer other drugs for vasodilating purposes. If you have used trimetacidine yourself, please let us know your anecdotal experience down below in the comment section. So the effective dose is based on the medical literature. Immediate release is, let's say, 20 milligrams upon waking, pre-workout, and pre-bed, three times per day. But probably, if you want to use this for performance-enhancing benefits, I would say directly before activity would be the most favorable. Let's say an hour or 30 minutes based on its short, immediate release half-life. And then the modified release would be 35 milligrams upon waking and pre-workout. Albeit that, um, again, I haven't really talked to anybody who used the modified release. The biological functions and effects of trimetazidine includes improved energy metabolism by inhibiting the fatty acid oxidation and thus improving glucose oxidation, reducing the oxygen demand that you have to improve your endurance and stamina during long-distance sports. Besides that, the delay of fatigue, that's a little bit of a stretch because the reduction of metabolic waste products should allow your heart to train at a higher capacity for longer, right? Reducing the oxygen demand, reducing the metabolic waste products, improving the excretion of metabolic waste products from the heart through its vasodilating effects, and thus the overall endurance, stamina, and delay of fatigue 
improves quite substantially. Again, it's also used as an anti-acemic medication to protect the heart against uh, low oxygen environments and reduced blood supply to the heart, which most athletes don't really have, but we use it for vasodilating effects to improve cardiac function. Please do your due diligence because I've heard it's quite potent, even at a low dose, and you shouldn't really combine it with other compounds which have vasodilating effects, like I alluded to earlier. Moving over to salbutamol, also known as albuterol or the Ventolin inhalers, that's commonly used as an asthma medication. Keep in mind that this is exempted from the World Anti-Doping Agency prohibited list if you stick with inhaled salbutamol up to 1600 micrograms over a 24-hour period, divided, only divided, not in a single dose, divided in 600 micrograms every eight hours. Urine salbutamol levels should not exceed 1,000 nanograms per milliliter. This is something you can test if your a clinic or blood work place has a test for urinary salbutamol or albuterol levels. So technically it's allowed because it's an asthma medication, it acts as a very potent uh, bronchodilator in the lungs because it um, is a short-acting beta-2 adrenergic receptor agonist, a bronchodilator, and an anti-asthma, a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease medication. Very commonly used all over the world. I used uh, a decent amount of salbutamol when I was suffering from asthma, but I wasn't competing in drug-tested sports. And I will tell you this, I've extensively experimented with salbutamol, the Ventolin inhalers, pre-workout when I was still training at the utmost highest training capacity during leg days or other strenuous workouts. Again, this is in the context of bodybuilding, so it might not overlap into endurance sports, actual real sports, but I've experimented between 200 micrograms up to 600 micrograms salbutamol inhalable pre-workout, let's say 30 minutes to an hour before, really improved my stamina, especially when I was combining this with ubiquinol for cardiac functioning and nabivalol to reduce my heart rate and shortening the risk period in between sets and reducing my oxygen requirement and allowing me to inhale more oxygen and exhale more carbon dioxide. I found that it's very beneficial. I've also experimented with injectable salbutamol up to four milligrams, mostly in the context of using that as a fat burner, as many people take the oral version of salbutamol between four to 16 milligrams or so I've heard. Um, but in the context of improving your endurance over longer periods of time, there is something to say for it if you can do more frequent administrations because the half-life is only 3.8 to 6 hours. So you need to dose this multiple times if you have a very long sport that you um, need to perform in, like cycling, for example, or swimming or long-distance running. You need to dose these at lower dosages, uh, circumventing the prohibited list. So if you can dose it... 600 micrograms every eight hours. If, if your race lasts you know, over eight hours, so maybe at the start and somewhere towards the end, if it's a 10-hour, 12-hour race, which you know, if you do a marathon, it might be happening, um, very, very beneficial. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I've talked to several people who swear by oral salbutamol, even though technically it's only allowed in the inhalable version, although I'm not sure that the testing equipment from WADA USADA can discriminate between the inhaled version and the oral version or the injectable version. So you have to proceed with caution if you're subject to drug testing. The effective dose from a personal experience and talking to several endurance athletes seems to be anywhere between two to four milligrams upon waking and pre-workout, so it's two times per day if you take it orally. The injectable version, one to two milligrams, up to four milligrams if you're crazy like I am 
pre-workouts, so it's about 30 minutes to one hour pre-workouts. And inhalation can be anywhere between 200 to 400 micrograms, upwards of 600 micrograms. As needed, could be multiple times per day. Again, if you want to stick within that eight-hour window or uh, directly pre-workout to improve bronchodilation and improve your stamina that way, right? The biological functions and effects are, well, bronchodilation, duh, increased metabolic rate. Keep in mind that sulbutamol has been reported to have thermogenic properties, which might slightly increase your body temperature and metabolic rates and uh, can potentially enhance energy expenditure and fat oxidation, albeit that that's mostly observed at much higher dosages, again, up to 16 milligrams per day. And again, a little bit of caution is advised here because if you start increasing the dose of sulbutamol anywhere over four milligrams per serving, it's probably going to hinder your endurance because your heart rate is going to go way too high, right? The fat oxidation, the energy expenditure, all might have a negative effect on your endurance or stamina, depending on the sports that you follow. I prefer four milligrams injectable because again, the bursts of energy are quite high but I don't train for endurance if I'm training for bodybuilding or strength. But I would say in this context, a slightly higher dose of salbutamol goes a very long way because it activates the central nervous system. And if you require explosive power, again, for MMA or other fighting sports or uh, during a strenuous hypertrophy sets in the gym, this central nervous stimulation allows you to train at a much higher training capacity, even though your heart rate is going to go up. But the bronchodilating effects allows you to take in more oxygen and thus um, also excrete more of the metabolic waste products which are going to occur when you train at this higher training capacity for this short window of time. Keep in mind that the combination of nobivalol and solbutamol or nobivalol and clenbuterol is possible if you keep the nobivalol dose low, let's say between 2.5 to 5 milligrams upon waking once per day, so you don't lose selectivity of the beta-1 adrenergic receptors, blocking that but allowing the beta-2 adrenergic receptors to be activated by something like salbutamol or clenbuterol, but you can't combine it with propanolol because that's non-selective. It will block both the beta-1 and the beta-2 receptors, and salbutamol works on the beta-2 receptors. So you're sending mixed signals. Don't overdo it. Moving over to clenbuterol, which has the same characteristics as salbutamol, albeit that the half-life is between 36 to 48 hours. Again, clenbuterol is prohibited all times under the S1 anabolic agents so you might get some anabolic benefits out of your clenbuterol it's not included under the same list where salbutamol is included under s3 the beta agonists clenbuterol is classified under the s1 anabolic agents similar to anabolic androgenic steroids SARMs and a, a couple other compounds which I don't even recognize so clenbuterol certainly prohibited um, it's a long-acting beta 2 adrenergic receptor agonist, the bronchodilator, anti-asthma medication, as well as a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease medication. Very long half-life. One per day dosages is recommended. Personally, I don't really like clenbuterol to improve your endurance and stamina, although I do know some people that prefer to use it because, again, it has such a long half-life. And if you're doing long-distance races, then this might be a little bit more beneficial compared to something like salbutamol, which you might need to dose every couple of hours. The effective dose is 20 micrograms. No ifs, no ways, no anything around it. Not 40 micrograms, not 80 micrograms, not 120, not anything more than 20 micrograms once per day, ideally upon waking because it has such a long half-life, right? It's prohibited. So you will have to deal with the detection time if you want to use it and you're subject to drug testing. Similar to salbutamol, clenbuterol is a very potent bronchodilator, even at low and effective dosages, 
of 20 micrograms once, once, once per day, increases metabolic rate similar to solbutamol, reduces the airway resistance, which basically affects of a bronchodilator, and it has some ergogenic effects. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on clenbuterol because, again, I don't think it's a good idea to use in endurance sports because your heart rate, um, you know, dose dependent wise increases much, much, much more, even if you use the bivalol to block the beta 1 receptors by activating the beta 2 receptors of the heart with 20 micrograms of clenbuterol, your heart rate might shoot up 10 to 15 points, depending on the sports and the activity and the duration of the activity that you're going to do. So let's move over to the stimulants. Are, these are all included in the WADA prohibited list of 2023 under 61 stimulants. A, the non-specified stimulants, and B, the specified stimulants. I've bolded a couple ones that are commonly used in the fitness industry. So that's the adrafenil and the modafinil variant. Amphetamines is also being used sometimes in the forms of medication like uh, Adderall or Vyvanse or Dexedrine. Uh, cocaine shouldn't really be used by people in the fitness industry, but you'd be surprised. And then going further down the line, you have some uh, amphetamine variants. Uh, let's see, Lys, Dexamphetamine, Methamphetamine, uh, the, the Methylamphetamines, Modafinil, Ventramine, which is usually used as an appetite suppressant. And then under the specified stimulants, we have uh, 1,3-DMAA included in some of the pre-workouts or its variants, 1,4-DMAA, ephedrine and methylephedrine, heptaminol, which actually increases blood flow to the heart through the coronary artery while simultaneously causing mild peripheral vasoconstriction. So heptaminol is often included in formulations which revolve around injectable adenosine monophosphate. So you don't get too much vasoconstriction all over your body and thus uh, make you feel very, very uncomfortable. It's included on the list. I have some experience with it, but it's typically used in the context of uh, increasing vasodilation before stepping on stage if you're a competitive bodybuilder. And then there's uh, pseudoephedrine, usually uh, found in uh, some of the medications, psilogeline, and sibutramine. Then also included on the 2023 monitoring program, and these have been on the list for a very long time, caffeine, nicotine, phenylephrine, and cinephrine. So if you have some experience with any of these stimulants, I wouldn't say that they will improve uh, cardiac function and thus improve your stamina and endurance. They will rather work on your central nervous system. And I think I skipped over bromantane that's also highlighted. So all of these rather work on the central nervous system. If you would like me to make a dedicated video about how to optimize the central nervous system, besides uh, alpha GPC and some of the other over-the-counter supplements, which we mentioned in part one and two, if you want me to deep dive into these stimulants, which are all banned and uh, all not approved and can also be found on a five panel drug test if the cops pull you over or ask you for a drug test, all right? These are a little bit risky to use, um, but if there's a desire for it, let me know down below. Let me know your experience and I'll get to work on a follow-up video. Let's leave it here. The next video that I want to um, go over to optimize your endurance, we're fully, solely going to focus on optimizing skeletal muscle function. I still need some time to prepare for that. If you have some recommendations, again, put them down below. I wouldn't say that anabolic androgenic steroids optimize skeletal muscle function from the context of optimizing your endurance. Um, but if there's, I'm sure you guys are gonna say Terenobol. You know what? I'll do a little bit of research on Terenobol and maybe Boldenone but I think low dosages are going to put you off. Okay, let me know down below. For now, we're out of time. Thank you guys so much for watching. You can find everything that I'm associated with down below in the YouTube description section. 
follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vigor Steve, Vigor's Crew. You guys know what to do. A front double bicep for the Vigor's Crew. Um, no nobivalol, no propanolol, no clenbuterol, no solbutamol, and no trimethazidine in the picture. Um, but who knows? Never say never, right? That's the curse of this YouTube video. Never say never. All right. Food for thought. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next video.